Welcome into Speaking Sports, first show of 2022. I got my buddy Coach Lowell Weidman in with me today. We're going to be talking to the NCAA new football champion in the house. NIL, transfer portal, money, coaches flying everywhere. And oh yeah, the Super Bowl's this weekend. You're not going to want to miss it. Welcome into Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Razorback Dave, with my buddy Coach Lowell Whiteman. Coach, how's the New Year treating you? Uh, New Year's started with a bit of a whimper, but it's picking up uh, energy as I get a chance to watch the Olympics, get prepared for the Super Bowl. So all things are good. Yeah, so you got, you've got some athletes in, in China right now, don't you? Uh, yeah, some, some of them were there now back because they, they finished. back already? They finished, um, <clears throat> and then I've got a couple that are competing today. I don't think they're going to get medal, but they, they got lucky and got in the, the top finishing ones for um, the half pipe for men. So, yeah, we got some, got some kids over there just grateful to be part of the process. Now, you've been around a lot of Olympic athletes over the years. I, I, and, you know, and I'm not going to ask you who they are or what they won, but are they all – do they all get there with that, man, I'm really just happy to be here because, you know, not everybody gets to go. Yeah, it, it's um, the majority of them is yes. It is a privilege. They feel that. They're humble. Their integrity is right in line with that thought. But then there's, there's the occasional, I'm it. I got it. I'm the best. And they project that in the way they behave amongst others. And then typically when they get to the Olympic Village, uh, there is some humbling that goes on. Uh, especially, especially this year, because mm-hmm. there's processes that weren't there before, you know, you've got to roll up your sleeve and literally get poked and, and stuck something up your nose and, you know, all kinds of things that compromise your personal space. Um, so, but yes, there are some that are not exactly feeling great, grateful to be there and just the privilege of being nominated, as they say, with the Oscar nominations that just went down recently as well. Um, but that's also life. You know, there are people that are just real pain in the rear end. And then there's other people that just love being present. Can you be both? Can you be the guy that's just happy to be there that actually goes on to win gold? Well, and that's my, that's my magic sauce. That's my secret sauce is to get that mindset in place that you are truly humble and self-aware, but in the same breath, you are all about you. You, you must project you first to be able to be a teammate, to be able to be coachable, to be able to raise the trophy at the end when you win it. Um, because there is, there's an attitude that has to be adjusted to get after it. You know, that killer mindset. So we've had a lot happen since you and I were last together on the air. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Georgia crowned the college football champion. How'd you, how'd you feel about how that played out? I don't think I saw that coming, not to the extent that Georgia went in there and manhandled Alabama like that. I, did, I thought it would have been a much closer game. Uh, I think there was the, the, the intangible that I usually don't get a lot of uh, – people don't appreciate my comments about this intangible. And the intangible is the coach on the sideline. And I'm not, I'm not saying head coach necessarily. I'm right. saying coach on the sideline. The Georgia win over Alabama was, a, was a influenced greatly by uh, coaches on the sideline. 
they gave them insights about how to uh, effectively defend themselves, be offensive when it's necessary to be offensive, and control all three aspects of the game. There were some young, young men on the Georgia team that, that did things that nobody expected them to do. Uh, coverage on a punt, coverage on a kickoff when things didn't go outside the end zone. Little things like that, I think, gave it to um, Georgia, whereas with Alabama, it is one person's team on the coaching sideline. Yeah. And it's what he says to the other coaches that gets done. Georgia, on the other hand, has a unit that had been transformed over the last three years into a coaching team. And there was trust and honor amongst those thieves <laughs> that took it away from Alabama. Well, I think it's cool that, that well, I'm, I'm kind of glad Georgia got theirs. I mean, you know, most people while. are pretty happy when Alabama loses. So everybody but Alabama fans. So I was okay. I was okay with Georgia winning. The, the, but the, 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 the turmoil that ensued after that last game, I mean, all the coaching changes. We had two signing days since we last spoke. So there was the early signing period, which is actually now kind of the main signing period. Mm-hmm. And then the, the traditional February sign, uh, January signing period is come and gone. And well, we're really kind of a whimper. There, most everything was done in the early period. A lot of things happening on signing day with the, the NIL and, uh, just it's it's kind of getting where we all said it was going to get if somebody didn't step in and at least put some handrails up because it's, well, and, it's and nuts. Yeah, and you're you're also talking about the influence of the timing of signing day by the transfer portal. I mean, to declare yourself in the transfer portal, it starts in August of every year for athletes to to say, "Hey, I want to get in." Or, you know, and do, do my thing. And there's some formality to that. The NCAA has done a good job for all three levels, one, one, two, and three level uh, athletes. They basically have provided a database that athletes who choose to go in, they put their name in the hat. Now they have to get permission of permission. That's an interesting way of using this word. They go to their coaches, they tell them they want to do this. They have to get the coach acknowledging that that happened. So that's my permission. And then going from there to get their name with the compliance officer of every NCAA school, tell the compliance officer, I got my coach's permission. They're aware of it. Now open me up to let me get into the portal. Nobody other than the compliance people on each team can let athletes into that database. So it's like, it's not open to the public. You can't go and figure out who's, who's new and hot. Even if the press has names of people who have declared, you can't go and watch them through that portal. It, yeah. It's not going to happen. Um, that is another signing day, if you will. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Declaration. So I, I, and the NIL aspect of this is, is, is a lot of it. It's, it's to me, it's twofold. It's it, it because they've taken that, that that sit out time away it's allowing kids that maybe would go to alabama and try to compete for a spot and that don't want to wait two years for derrick henry to go to the nfl they can go back in the portal and and get somewhere else but then you got the added attraction of nil 
NIL changed a lot of minds on National Signing Day with the freshman high school kids that are coming out. It changed a lot of minds in the transfer portal. Kids get in the transfer portal, and then somebody in Texas says, hey, all of our offensive linemen are getting $100,000 each in endorsements. Come here. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, and the, the, the guidelines have not yet been written because the challenges to the process have not been um, – they've not arisen in, in the yeah. community. And what I mean by that is the schools have not said, hey, let us help you with your branding on your website or social media um, with the kids. Um, the kids are left up to do that on their own. The only guideline the school has that once a, once a player wants to declare themselves part of the portal process, they have 48 hours to get that done. So the, the kid knows, hey, this is when it's going to happen. Now, they could be publicizing themselves way earlier than that to take advantage of their NIL, but I believe that's going to grow. The okay. image and branding dollars and economic pressure and, and uh, possibilities are going to grow as the systems to support them get better. Well, and, you know, of course, I'm Razorback Dave. I know about all things Razorback. And I do know that, that the university up until the first of the year had a policy in place that the biggest donors to the Razorback program, Walmart, J.B. Hunt, the trucking industry, uh, Tyson's Chicken, and Stewart. Stevens Inc., Jerry Jones's mm-hmm. agency out of Little Rock. Those are probably that and Reynolds, the Reynolds family. Those five entities are the probably 80% of the money that winds up on the campus to do whatever it is they want to do. There was a policy in place that the NIL athletes could not engage with those companies, which was kind of putting a, a, a roadblock into what could actually be how we – could entice people to the University of Arkansas when everybody else was doing it, but and there was no rule against it, but we had our own rule against it. Well, they changed that after the first of the year. The J.B. Hunt family has founded some kind of thing for that type, to facilitate that. So things are going to open up, and they're going to go. It's going to happen everywhere. Did you happen to catch uh, the A and M's coach Jimbo Fisher's press conference? After Alabama, Nick Saban got upset at how they were using the NIL and the transfer portal. And did you see any of that? Uh, I did. And without getting feeding his image and brand machine, um, I I liked what he said. Nick Saban needs to be checked down every once in a while um, and, and given a sense of reality that he's not the only one that takes advantage of the systems and the communities that, uh, breed quality athletes. Um, so I, I, I liked where he postured himself. I don't like necessarily his style in the way he necessarily says things, but there was truth there uh, and well, the reality and prediction of the future. Well, and I think we said on this show almost a year ago yep. that when this finally hits and guys like Alabama look around and find out that everybody else has got the same advantages that they have been doing illegally, maybe in the gray area, whatever you want to call it. Now there is no gray area and everybody can do it. And everybody's emboldened to go do whatever they have to do. And it's irritating. It's irritating the halves. And And I think it's hilarious. And in some cases, David, it's not so much from the the administration or the, the school's perspective. The kids are in control of a lot of the quality control checks 
on the way they are being treated as athletes. Now, I don't have any specific statements, but I do know that we have athletes uh, that have declared, let's say, for example, uh, at the University of Illinois, uh, there's a whole herd of athletes leaving the University of Illinois uh, and declaring uh, into the portal. And, and that's because there's been changes and they were said things and things didn't come true. We're talking four and five star athletes that maybe got five downs that they saw in two seasons. So they're, yeah, they're the biggest quality. devils with that coach speak is going <laughs> to, you got to do what you say you're going to do. And I th- think, I, and I, you know, call me a homer if you want. I think guys like Sam Pittman who tries to do what he says he's going to do. He, you know, he'll tell everybody that comes in, we're going to write it down on a piece of paper. And then if we write it down, that's what we're doing. At, you know, well, and, that, and I, with, that's the good and the bad. Yeah, and I think when you add, David, the other piece of, of, of elite athletes and the high school level being able to have managers to go with them into, into college, um, you've got another check and balance that the athlete has a, uh, ability to control. Now, NCAA has said it has to be the elite athlete. Now, who, give Who's me a definition. Yeah, give me the definition of that. Just to say the elite athlete is the one that I want the most. Well, exactly. And we've got four and five star systems to measure some aspect of that. But if you are put into that cadre of folks and you're allowed to then acquire a manager, you've got some guidance on the NIL scenario. You've got some guidance on the portal so that ultimately my hope is the athlete doesn't continue to get sacrificed and burnt. Well, and don't you think that, that the high school athlete, especially if they start to take on guidance or risk rep, representation like that, they need to find, they're going to need to affiliate themselves with somebody that's looking out for them more than maybe they're looking out for themselves. And you can't really say that about every agent that's, I mean, agents Correct. are, the agents are what they are, but there's going to be room for an agency that takes care of the athlete first. Now, you, we're going to sacrifice a quarter of a million dollars this year, but we took care of all our guys. That that guy's going to be the guy that's that's. It's going to. It may be a river of pennies, comparatively speaking, but that'll be that'll be the group that's still standing when it, when the dust settles. Well, you you make a really good point that goes back to the manager role that's now been part of this. Uh, system of guiding the athletes. Every one of the managers has to be affiliated with a, a licensed uh, certified agency. Mm-hmm. So that, that gives us some filtering device of quality. We get a vetting process going on. So agencies that are a little bit shaky are, are not going to spend the money to bring in a staff person to be the manager, to go out and bird dog the athletes and then stick with them for four to four or five years of their college career before a payoff mm-hmm. at a, as a, for a pro contract. Cause once again, there's no guarantee, but I would say there's a, a better profiling of that agency and the quality of that agency filling what you just said, representing the kid and their best interests. So last thing for the break on college football, <clears throat> just overall, and I, and I, I'm laying it at the hands of the transfer portal. Don't you think top to bottom, parity wise, game to game, conference to conference, this was one of the better football, college football seasons in a long time. 
there were a lot of cl- now there was a big difference between Alabama and Georgia and the rest of the world, but you're always going to have that. Not maybe not as much this year as it has been in years past, but that gap is still there. But three to thirty-three to eighty-three took on more of an NFL. You know, the difference between great and suck in the NFL is just minimal. Yeah. You know, and I think it that that gap in college football minimized this year. A lot of it was because of the transfer portal, and I just I just think it's probably one of the greatest college football seasons in a while. I'm not going to disagree with you. And I'm going to add to it by saying competition is where I lay down to watch. I like competition too many times. People ask me, are who's your favorite team in this contest? I said, I can't say because I got people on both teams. And, you know, I, I just want to see competition. <clears throat> and I think competition thrived this season with NCAA football. And, and, and some of it's because of the, uh, the shifting that went on with the portal kids got a chance to play, but that bred desire. Now the kids emboldened, he's, he's charged up. He or she is charged up because now they got a chance to play where they weren't before. The other part of that is what we're coming out of that drove the desire. COVID put everybody on hold <clears throat> for a preparation of things. So programs that really thought they had an opportunity, they prepared. Preparation is the separation in champions. If you yeah. prepared and you, you really hunkered down, I think your, your alma mater, Arkansas, is a good example of that. Yeah. Coach yeah. Pittman, he, he got the kids to prepare. He got benefit of the um, portal with some great talent that were situational and delivered plays at the right time. And they had a wonderful season, but they competed. Every yeah. game they competed. It, it was, well, they bought into what he was selling there. And, you know, it's interesting – at the end of the year, you know, they say the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. We had an amazing amount of kids go in the portal. Some guys that were going to be the guy next year. And we were just all like, oh, my God, what are, what's going on? What happened? And then three days later, we got better players out of the portal replacing them. Yeah. And notice, I, I noticed the figure uh, of the data. It's very limited data. There's, it's a lot compared to how long it's been open, but the data they have shows that a lot of the players who are going into the portal are not necessarily what we call skill positions. You know, it's not quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. It's O-linemen, D-line. O-line and and D-line is where we reaped most of the benefits in the portal last year. Exactly. And in this offseason, yeah. So the, the numbers are prone to show those athletes getting into the, into the, the, the fray of the, the portal. Now we you've got a couple of the five-star QBs, you know, uh, four-star wide receivers that are going to hit the press, but the reality that's most beneficial with the portal is those, those journeyman players that love the game. They're there every day. Their integrity is high. Their humility is high. I mean, they, they just love the game. Want to play. And don't you think the the portal gives you, it gives a coach. I know, I know if I was a head coach somewhere, if I was in player personnel at a university, the portal is going to give me a very good insight into the character of the guy that I'm potentially going to spend a scholarship on. At that point, rather than not fresh out of high school, they will have spent a year, year and a half, two years at a college. They're already kind of broke into class. They're either making good grades or they're not. So if they're not making good grades, okay, you know, you know what you got there. Yeah. If they've not been in trouble, you know what you got there. Because it is a, it is a hard transition for some of them. I think I could, I could clean up 
All that data that you just mentioned, all that data that you just mentioned, David, is transferred with them when they declare access to the portal. So behavioral issues on campus, grade points, class schedules, grades in those classes, as well as their, their performance as an athlete comes with them. So it's like you, you get to see the records of an intern that interned at a fortune 500 company. And now you get them Mm. or you get a, get a chance at them. All right, we're going to wrap up the college football season. I can't wait till next year. I'm already pumped about it. Spring practice is coming up in March. Red-white games in April. I may even have to go. We're going to be back and go the rest of the way on the Super Bowl and what's happening in pro football. Coach Lowell Weidman and Razorback Dave speaking sports 2022. We'll be right back. All right, everyone from athletes to weekend warriors sometimes catch a cramp when they're competing or working out. When you need relief fast, you want to reach for KRT Relief Cream. Just rub a little where it hurts, and KRT's patented technology works quickly to calm the nerves that are causing the cramps. KRT comes in cream or gel and works great for everyone. So go to krtrelief.com and enter promo code SNS20. That's SNS20 to receive 20% off your first KRT order. That's www.krtrelief.com. Speaking sports, KRT Relief, muscle endurance cream, muscle cramp cream, KRT, SNS20 is the code. At store.avcare.com, you're going to want to go get you some. I could use some right now, as a matter of fact. I think I have some in here somewhere. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to hit it right after we get done here. Coach Super Bowl, if, I don't know what the odds were at the beginning of the year for these two teams to be in the Super Bowl, but I, I certainly didn't have the Bengals on my radar. Um, yeah. and, and, and maybe to some extent the Rams either, but I mean – and, and then how good of a matchup is this to the public? I mean, what, what does the public care? Does anybody care besides the fans of these two teams? Well, uh, before I, you, you really piqued my interest when you mentioned uh, uh, KRT. I want to go there. I want to go KRT there. KRT Cram Cream. Oh, okay. You mentioned KRT Cram Cream. I, I have to tell you about uh, Sean White. Uh, he was on an interview and his one, of, not his current coach, but a coach in the past, gave me a call and said, do you, can you believe that Sean White's complaining about his aches and pains and that he, he woke up one, he woke up the other morning after his, his uh, debacle. And then he finally qualified right after the second and last run, he woke up and he, and he said, Oh, my back hurts. And he was talking to a buddy of his and he goes, well, what did you do? Nothing. <laughs> I'm 35 years old. I just woke up. <laughs> and I just immediately, I thought, you know, KRT Cramp Cream, I should probably. We should reach out to him. Reach out to him. And it's, uh, it's every day. Every day I wake up, I've got cramp cream needs. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's also, uh, dude, you're 35. I mean. Yeah. You're going to start using terms you've never used, like ointment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then it's going to be i've heard a comedian uh greg barrett does a whole bit about it okay i, I hurt my back I, I slept wrong how do you screw that up how do you sleep wrong but 
You know, you get yeah. there. It's, it's our way of not admitting that we're just old. We're just yeah. old. It's not sleeping wrong. You just slept and you're old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Rams, the Rams in the Super Bowl. Well, it, you ask a really great question that I've been asked several times since the Cincinnati win. Uh, and and many of my colleagues thought that when the overtime happened with Kansas City and, and Cincinnati, that Kansas City had a lock because they had gone through the, the, the best and the worst of an overtime with Buffalo. Uh, but here, here's where, where I draw the line as far as uh, L.A. versus Cincinnati. I'll give you my pick in a minute. But Cincinnati grew up big time in that, that Kansas City game. They came prepared, and they didn't let what were their weaknesses uh, be, be obvious to Kansas City. They either camouflaged them or kept them away from Kansas City, and that taught them what they needed to do with L.A. because they still have – similar gaps with LA and one of them is their offensive line being able to handle number 99 and number 40 that's Vaughn Miller and McDonald <laughs> they're they're gonna they're gonna come at it and put some pressure the issue is creativity on LA's part so I'm I'm not gonna bet um for Cincinnati I'm not gonna bet at all but if I've asked to pick and I have been I'm picking LA mainly because of two reasons one the coaching staff for LA um, really listens to their 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 players and their leaders. And Stafford, that was his biggest revelation as it relates to L.A., that he was actually going to be listened to and allowed to adjust and adapt in ways that fit him. If you notice, this season with Stafford, he has not been pressured to a point where he was scrambling with his feet as much as in the past with Detroit and not – suspect to getting hurt because the hits were coming hard with, yeah. with the Detroit uh, situation with LA. It's yeah, a little scrape here, a little crumble, you know, they, the pocket literally breaks down. So he's, he's a whole different person. So, all right. So you didn't give me your pick. Who you, you taking LA. I'm picking you're taking LA. You're taking LA. Yeah. Okay. I'm picking LA because there's just uh, so many other factors. And I think they're giving three and a half right now. Yeah. Believe, it's going to be a competitive this game. morning. It was three and a half. It's LA. I, I don't, I, I just, I don't see me wagering on the Super Bowl, uh, especially all those idiotic prop bets that they have out there. That's just, that's just slightly better than flipping a coin. So yeah. I'm not going to do that, but I am going to ask you this. Yep. Let's say that you are counseling Jared Goff. <laughs> so the the whole the whole stick on him with I, I guess LA thought, well, we can't win the big one with Jared Goff. We have to find a quarterback that can get us. Goff got him to the one yard line, could have given him an end zone. What do we got to do? So they make a trade with Detroit and they get Matthew Stafford. Now, Matthew Stafford is probably one of the best quarterbacks not to have gone to a Super Bowl until Sunday. I'll back you up on that. Until Absolutely. Sunday. And and I'd, I, I I can't get to my browser, but I would really like to know who was in Matthew Stafford's freshman class in college when he came out of high school because there were some big guns in that freshman class the year he came out. And I believe all those guys are out of the league now. Or, or didn't make it to the league, one or the other. Or they're so deep in somebody's practice squad lineup, you right. don't know, you don't right. remember them anymore. So, so, but what if you're Jared Goff? I mean, you left LA thinking, well, they're wrong about me. There's, you know, I, I'm, I would have been, I was the guy. Well, 
okay, so now you're Jared Goff and you're sitting at home. Well, crap, maybe it was me. <laughs> what do you what do you tell him? What well, do you, how do you get him back mentally? Yeah. You know, and I've had experience with Jared before he got in the league when he went to quarterback camp in Cali with a friend of mine. And uh, at that point, we had he, his the quarterback coach he was working with had identified that Jared is too, too uh, politically correct. He's too nice of a guy when it comes to what he says to the public. So I, I, I said to, to uh, his, some of his people, I said, you got to golf up. Optimism is not enough. And what I mean by golfing up is that he's got to make a statement about on that, that mention you uh, had a minute ago about, you know, can't get him in the end zone when they're one yard out. Jared is a tough kid, but he's not a tough decision maker. Here, here's what I mean by it. It comes from a quote of him. He says, when, he, when they were asking him about Detroit, he says, most of all, I'm happy for those guys that because I know how hard they've worked and that they deserve it. Well, that's wonderful, Jared. That's wonderful. But then he goes on to say, well, of course, as a human, you feel like you could be missing out at times, but I think about it. And if I was in that situation, how would I feel about me? So he's trying to be this like soft soapid and be kind and nice. And, and I go, no, Jared, no, that is not what this game is about. If you want to improve for 2022 for this upcoming season with the Detroit Tigers, Tigers, sorry, baseball, Detroit Lions, you've got to, yeah, just woo, you've got to really get some grit. And that's a, that's a politically correct term, a social media term. Get in the grind and get the grit. Yeah. And, and he's, he's got the skills, but he doesn't quite connect with what's necessary to have the grit and Stafford has, he has from the time he stepped on the field in Detroit and until now when he's going to the Super Bowl, he just got an opportunity. He has always been great. Whether the teams he was playing on was great or not. How good would Detroit have been had Matthew Stafford and Barry Sanders played with each other in their prime? Oh my gosh. Talk about, he would have had such a great run after catch person. Mm-hmm. With Barry, I mean, and and Barry has actually been asked that question really? because and he he when Stafford was there, he was a religious uh, Lions fan, uh, mainly because of Stafford. Uh, he said, "I would I would love to be the one running the middle routes, you know, from the backfield, you know, coming off an end or a motion, you know, kind of thing, and, and catching the pass in the middle because he had no fear. I mean, he has he has he has hips that wiggle in ways that nobody can ever replicate." Yeah. And he would just be such a great, it'd be a fifth receiver on the field. It would be awesome. No, that's very cool. I, I would, I would have liked to have seen that too. I think Barry Sanders probably deserved a quarterback like Matthew Stafford and vice versa. Matthew definitely. And, and you know, Matthew Stafford appears to be a good guy. Never been around him. Never. I've never even heard a handful of interviews that he's ever done, which by definition for me makes him great. He's a Brett Favre kind of guy. He's a Brett Favre kind of guy. If he's pushed, he'll interview, he'll talk, but in the locker room, he's your, he's, he's friendly, but not necessarily your friend. He's very scrutinizing about how to become his friend. If, if you, if you skip a beat on anything you say with him, you're done. It's, you know, if you say it, you do it. So in the, in the huddle, he, he's, He's very direct, very matter of fact. And what made him successful with his teammates is he delivered. 
He yeah. took the hits and got back up and threw a touchdown pass. Well, I think if I was going to have to make a pick, I would probably pick the Rams, but I'd pick a money line. And I, you know, here's the thing that keeps going over in my head. Dan Marino. What about hey, Dan Marino? Okay. Joe Burrows reminds me he is in the same oh. virtual situation that Dan Marino was in. Uh, I he, thought, I wonder if you're going to go there. And he's like, you know, I mean, and he's pretty humble about, I mean, he's, he seems like a pretty genuine guy as well, but he's that guy that maybe right now woke up on third thinking he hit a triple because I, I've heard Dan Marino say, you know, I went first, second, whatever year it was, Marino went, went to the Super Bowl. We didn't win. I thought, well, I, you know, my career is just starting. I'll be back here. And he never went back. And it's not as easy as you think it is. And Joe Burrow may not ever get back. I'm just interested to see if history repeats itself for Joe Burrow in, in uh, as to what had happened with Dan Marino. I, I like that, that. I can't take Cincinnati. Yeah, I like I like that comparison and analogy. But I'd also throw this one in, similar to what you just did, Joe Montana, which is which is why Cincinnati's got a chance to win against LA because they're, they're built alike. They're both just a couple of, you know, smart knuckleheads. What I mean by that, they have a sense of humor. They're, they're jokesters in the locker room, but they're always very friendly. And yet when they, when they walk around like, Oh, all of a sudden they deliver this amazing feat of athleticism at a moment, you don't expect it. And Burroughs is that kid even more talented physically than Montana was in his day. Um, Marino uh, and Burroughs are alike in their knowledge of the game and the field. Uh, Burroughs um, has always amazed me at how much he sees on the field and very, very quickly. Well, that's going to do it for us for this week's edition of Speaking Sports. Thank you, Coach, for coming on. I'm uh, ready for the new year, I guess. Basketball, I guess maybe talking some basketball next time we next time we meet up. Yeah, uh, March Madness is March coming, Madness brother. This is a fast approaching. It sure yeah. is. Don't yeah. forget store.afcare.com. Pick up your KRT and make sure, Coach, you send some to Sean. Uh, like that might <laughs> yeah. help us out quite a, quite a bit. And my we'll back is hurting a little bit. Uh, yeah, hey, I know you've got some. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Razorback Dave is out. Marvelous. Thank you, man. You're welcome. How's life? Good. I saw that you uh, decided to let the puppies have a break and carry them around in a grocery cart. That was like the very first week we had them. <laughs> I, I went, those don't look like a year old. No, no, they were a year old. That was a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was almost a year ago. Yeah. They've grown like bad weeds. Um, is uh, Austin going to have a spring break or is he going to have to stay on campus? Um, he is going to have a spring break. Um, he is not sure when he's coming or if he's coming. Now, he's got his aunt got him tickets to that outdoor hockey game at, uh, at Nissan Stadium. And he was going to have to drive. I don't, he, just tell me before we came on, 
that he's thinking about not coming for that because Arkansas plays Kentucky that Saturday. Oh, my gosh. In Bud Walton. That and, and after beating Auburn Tuesday night. Yeah. He was there. He sent me some video from the floor after they stormed the floor. <laughs> he had his phone out there doing the whole – he is literally living the dream. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the, keep encouraging. I mean, I think he'll do it anyway, I think. But encourage yeah. him to keep taking video chunks and putting it into a library and because that that's that's golden when you can get, you know – 